Hello. What the fuck happened, you guys? Welcome to the Love Alexi podcast. My name is Alexi Wasser. I'm your host. This is my podcast, and I don't have a guest today because today's episode is dedicated to the heartbreak uh, that it, that was, that is the presidential election. Uh, so Donald Trump has been elected our president. Uh, I'm you know, exclusive. I'm glad I'm here to tell you guys that. But uh, yeah, I've I've tried to record this intro a myriad of different ways, and uh, I've sobbed in some of them. I've been crying, and I just, I don't want to do that. I don't want to cry. Instead, I just want to be as helpful as possible, and uh, I know how I'm feeling and why I'm feeling what I'm feeling, and uh, I want to be available to you guys. So if anybody out there um, needs my help or a shoulder to cry on or wants to talk or send an email, I will read your emails on this very podcast, send them to dearlovealexi at gmail.com. Uh, if you are friends with me on social media or you want to be, you can find me on all of social media at Alexi Wasser. And on my Facebook page, I've posted things like, uh, like a comprehensive survival guide for lives affected by Trump. I posted um, a how-to effectively talk to your member of Congress and make change. And um, in this episode, what I'm doing is I'm reading a lot of the emails that you guys sent to me with no commentary. I'm not, I'm not responding to them. It's just, they're your thoughts and feelings. And I just wanted to acknowledge them and put them out there on my podcast and as well as a collection of, um, of various clips that I found online uh, one of Russell Brand, one of Senator Barbara Boxer, one of Chelsea Handler, uh, another of Bernie Sanders. Just because these clips spoke to me, they moved me, they made me think, they inspired me. And uh, I mean, my God, I know I'm not alone in this. I don't even know what I have to add to this uh, conversation. But I know for me, uh, I knew I lived in a bubble, but I didn't know how intense that bubble was because I had no idea that we lived in a world, uh, in a, in a country where, where it was possible to really elect Donald Trump as our president. And I couldn't believe all the feelings that came up for me, you know, initially when I was first shocked by how close the race was when Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton were neck and neck, that's when I experienced my first pangs of dread and disbelief. And then when he won, it was not only about the fact that uh, it was as if my father had been elected president and because, you know, so many things that Donald Trump has said that are so disrespectful to women and uh, like how he objectifies women and sexualizes them. And it's as if women just exist to be fucked and need to be fuckable. And, and that's the primary reason they are on this planet. It just reminded me of my father and it reminded me of all the things that I've tried so hard to, to I've tried so hard to re-raise myself and stop seeing myself through the eyes of a misogynist man who doesn't like women and just objectifies them and sexualizes them. And, and that's, you know, and only to, to feel like, oh no, my father's actions and Donald Trump's behavior is completely justified and I, apparently him being elected is 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 like saying that kind of behavior is expected and allowed and okay and it just made me feel so angry and it made me feel like oh my god I I hate men I hate white men and then it also made me feel like uh complete empathy and sadness at the idea that like oh my god uh, you know, I know racism is alive and well, but I had no idea that, uh, to, at, uh, to what extent. And it made me think, oh my God, is this going to be divisive? This is going to bring, this is going to divide us as people. I don't want people of different ethnicities to be uh, against one another. I don't want people who have different sexual orientations to be angry at one another. I don't want men to hate women and it's just, uh, that's what broke my heart the most, the sexism and the racism and the idea that like, I just want everybody to be kind to each other. And I just wanted to hug everyone and apologize and be loving and burst into tears. 
And truly, electing such a misogynist who's so disrespectful to women really has brought up so many feelings and deep-seated emotions in me about times in my life where men have treated me and women in my family and women I know appallingly. Uh, you know, my aunt was raped. I've been roofied more than once. I think I've talked about that on my podcast, uh, and a lot of my girlfriends have. Luckily, nothing ever happened to me, thank God. Um, I've been in situations where, where men have tried to take advantage of me. I was on a bus late at night. I have every right to be on the bus by myself, but it, the only other passengers were a bunch of men, and a guy who was drunk came over, sat down on my seat, started accosting me, putting his hands all over me, and I screamed, and I yelled, you know, I asked for help. I yelled, help. Nobody did anything. I had to fight him off on my own while everybody ignored me and then walk up to the front of the bus and, you know, wait out the rest of the ride. Don't even get me started on the number of times I've seen a guy jerking off and looking at me while he's trailing me in his car or walk past me and muttered, suck my dick under his breath. So ultimately, the result of this election is just bringing everything to the surface. Everybody's worst fear is is rising to the surface. Everybody's uh, suspicions about the good in other people are, are being, you know, the good or evil in other people are being brought up. I do feel like this is the end of the world as we know it, and we're being tested. Something I forgot to say, uh, if you are able to protect people who may be in danger because of their race, their gender, their sexuality, a disability... Uh, when protesting or if you're on the train or walking home or whatever, just please, we have to protect each other and just take care of each other. And that's so important. And it's very late. I'm recording this intro really late. And I wrote something that I feel like uh, clarifies what I'm trying to express. Uh, so I'm just going to read it. In times like these, when everything's really heightened, sensitive, unsettling, disheartening, and topsy-turvy, remember that the most important things are love and connection and doing your part starting at a very personal ground heart level, making eye contact and saying hello to the people you pass on the street, being considerate, gentle, respectful of differences, leading by example, appreciating people, and just being nice and kind. Because we're all just somebody's daughter, trying to survive, trying to coexist, be accepted and loved, feel worthy and enough, be seen, Let's use the sadness and outrage of what happened as an opportunity to go above and beyond, to show that we are not, and do not, stand for who was elected, to be inclusive and kind and prove that we are better than whatever this weird outcome says about our country. I don't want my spirit to be broken. I want to be hopeful and rise above the ridiculously shitty outcome of the election, because we're all just people on this planet trying to live our lives whatever our gender or sexual orientation or skin color or spiritual beliefs might be. So let's just be kind. Now entering Nerdist.com <laughs> What happened? Yeah. Right. Here's what happened. Okay. <laughs> do we have racists and sexists in this country? We do. On the other hand, I think what happened is Trump touched a nerve on the part of millions of people mm -hmm. that media doesn't often talk about. And that is you've got a middle class for the last 40 years that has been shrinking. You've got people who are working two or three jobs. You've got a single mom who can't afford $12,000 a year for childcare. You've got a worker who's seen his job go to China. You got a parent who's wondering how in God's name would I make 40,000 a year? Am I going to be able to send my kid to college? You got a 60 year old worker today who has $500 in the bank and is facing retirement. Yeah. You got millions of people living in extraordinary economic anxiety. And meanwhile, the very richest people and largest corporations are doing phenomenally well. And people are saying all over this country, mm -hmm. black and white and Latino, what about me? Who's going to stand up for me? And in my view, the Democratic Party has not been as strong as it should be in saying, yeah, we're going to stand with the working people. Well, you did. I did. I did. You did. You did. So would you, let me ask you something. So if you were the candidate, they say you would have won. I've been reading about that. Yeah. Yeah. The answer is who knows and who will ever know. But the point is we got to talk about the future and how we go forward. And there are a couple of things on my mind. 
Number one, when, Ob when, when Mr. Trump says that he's going to be for the working class, you know what? We're going to hold him accountable. We're going we're gonna to list all the things that he said. Gotcha. You want to raise wages? Hey, count me in. We got a starvation minimum wage now of seven and a quarter an hour. Let's raise it to 15 bucks an hour. You with me, Mr. Trump? You got women, women who are making 79 cents on the dollar. Anyone think that that is just in the year 2016? Pay equity for women workers. All right, our infrastructure, our roads and our bridges, and this is something Trump has been talking about. Let's work together. Let's create millions of jobs rebuilding our water systems, our wastewater plants, our rail system. All right, trade. All right, Trump has a fair point, something I've been saying for a long time. Workers all over this country are seeing their jobs going to China and Mexico. Their wages have gone down significantly. Let's create a trade policy that gets corporate America to start investing in this country. All right? Now, what about, what about the cost of prescription drugs? Why do we pay the highest prices in the world for the medicine that we need while the pharmaceutical industry is making huge profits? Now, Mr. Trump talked about it. We're going to hold them accountable. Are you prepared to take on the pharmaceutical industry? Are you prepared to take on Wall Street, whose greed has done so much harm to our country? So here's the point. That's number one. Number two, what we will not accept, will not accept. This country has struggled too many years in the fight against discrimination and the fight against bigotry and sexism. All right? We are not going to accept a president trying to divide us up. We got little girls who are wearing kerchiefs who are now scared to death that somebody is going to be picking on Terrible. Or like our enemies are not some Latino guy, some Mexican-American working in a tomato field making nine bucks an hour. Those are not our enemies. And I don't want millions of people to be worried today about families being separated. I've seen too much of that. So we're going to fight against sexism and racism and okay. xenophobia. Okay, which brings me to my question, because a lot of people are out there protesting right now. Yeah. What is it that we can do to make sure that all he, we keep his feet to the fire? What we should understand is that the views that many of us have expressed are the views of the vast majority of the American people. Mr. Trump was very proud during his campaign to say, hey, I'm a multi-billionaire, but I don't have to pay any taxes because you're paying taxes. Right. Well, you know what? Most Americans don't think that it's right that billionaires and large corporations don't pay a nickel in federal taxes. All right. So we are the majority in our ideas. Now, why the Democratic Party has failed is another story we can deal with. I want basic reforms in the Democratic Party. But most importantly, we've got to hold them accountable. And the third issue I want to touch on, I hope very much, you know, Donald Trump is nobody's fool. And during the campaign, he talks about climate change being a hoax. You know what? Climate change is not a hoax. It is a threat to this entire planet. He better start listening to the scientific communities and not just the coal companies. And if he doesn't, companies. and if he doesn't. If he doesn't, you're not going to have much of a planet left for your grandchildren. I That's know that. Happen. I know that. We're worried well, a lot about worried. that. And I think, you know, you talk about people in the streets. I think when millions of people, led by the young people, who want to transform this country, say, sorry, Mr. Trump, I want this planet to be healthy and habitable for my children and my grandchildren, and that is more important than the short-term profits of the oil industry, I think we can stop them in that area. Bernie Sanders, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'm going to start reading emails from you guys, the listeners. Uh, thank you so much for all of your emails. This one is from Catherine. Catherine writes, Hi, Lexi and Aristotle. So I'm British, and my views are probably irrelevant, but here we go. Okay, so obviously Donald Trump isn't the president much of America wanted. But if Hillary won, almost the same amount of American voters would have felt the same about that result. Democracy is democracy. Some people do believe their life is awful because of the current situation in America. And how can you tell someone that voting for Trump will have awful consequences when they feel their life is already awful? I think the main point I want to make is that I honestly don't believe everyone voted against her because they are racist and sexist. Obviously, this was the case for many, but not all. While he said some outrageous things, she has a lot of skeletons in her closet and a lot of Americans felt they couldn't physically vote for her. The only other option was a man who made such barbaric statements that many will hope and assume he just will not follow through within a civilized nation. 
The issues with Hillary were so strong that people were willing to ignore all his statements, and I truly believe that if there was a different Democratic candidate, be it Bernie Sanders or Kamala Harris, the result would have been different. Now is the time to stand together and show Trump that the only way to unify America and be the greatest president America has ever had, and let's be honest, this is the title that Trump wants, is to support equality for all and be understanding of everyone. Now is the time to communicate with those of opposing views and help them understand why diversity and equality is the way to a happy life and a great nation. Show them that hate and fear brings nothing but misery. The result did make me sad, but sitting around being sad never made anything better. Action needs to be taken and voices need to be heard. This result may be one step back for America, but the phrase two steps forward, one step back has never been so important. It is clear from the map of millennial voters that change is coming. America just wasn't ready for it yet. Glass ceilings are there to be broken, and hopefully the selection cycle has inspired young people to get involved and shatter them for themselves. Time to have faith in humanity. Signed, Catherine. P.S. You're doing an amazing job on the show, and I can't wait to see what you do in the future. Thank you so much for that, Catherine. Um, there are more emails to read and not enough time to read them. Uh, this email is from Jamie. Jamie writes, Like so many others, I have been struggling with the events of this week. I awoke on Wednesday morning in a haze, with that all-too-familiar pit in my stomach that occurs when you know something awful has happened, but you can't pinpoint exactly what. I had gone to sleep the night before in a semi-drunken state of mental paralysis. Once I accepted the fact that this wasn't just a horrible nightmare— I pulled myself out of bed, grabbed my dogs, and curled up on the couch to watch Hillary's concession speech. It was absolutely the last thing I wanted to do, but I owed it to her because I would not have had the strength to do it myself, and I sobbed. Later that day, I texted my dad in the hopes of gaining a small sliver of comfort, and I expressed to him that I've never felt such a profound and all-encompassing sadness as a female. Of course, I felt my fair share of heartbreak, despair, and pain— but nothing like this. This was different. This was a different monster, and it terrified me. He responded with, We are better than this. We will survive and thrive. I again went to sleep with a paralyzing sense of despair. And then something changed. The next day, things felt different. I saw compassion in the eyes of the busker on the corner as he looked my way and saying, Every little thing's going to be all right. I read it in the text from the men in my life who reached out to make sure I was okay, to reassure me that they have my back and I am not alone in this as a woman, and I felt it from the stranger I'd never met who came into my store and embraced me as we both started to cry. This outcome hurt me deeper than I even thought possible. It tapped into something that perhaps I didn't even know was there. I felt like a shell of myself all week, and the kind words and compassion I've received have been bright spots in what now seems like a terrifyingly dark world. So thank you to those who have inspired me this week. I hope that I can do the same for at least one person. Keep spreading the love. For God's sake, spread love. Smile at people as you walk by. Make eye contact. When you think something nice about someone, tell them. Give compliments. Be gracious. Get involved. Look around you and acknowledge the existence of your fellow humans. We are all fucking in this together. And love is the only way. Love is what we can always give, no matter how tired, wary, hurt, or angry we are. And I'm really angry. But my dad is right. We are better than this. Thank you for that, Jamie. This next email is from Bianca. Bianca writes, Hi, my name is Bianca. I am a half-black woman with a quarter-black daughter who looks Mexican at best. These details are important because the only word I have for my feelings post-election is terrified. I'm so, so, so afraid for myself, my daughter, and others. I found myself Googling today, if it's even remotely possible, that Trump could reinstate slavery, a notion and action I thought were ridiculous until I saw how many other people were asking the same thing. I deleted my Facebook app because the daily hate crime count was making me nervous. I made an appointment with a psychiatrist so maybe I can learn how to turn my brain off. The thing that scares me the most, though, is that my brown little girl will be nine years old before the next presidential election. 
that's four very formative years for us to have normalized the notion that someone like her is lesser than or unworthy. I know sexism and racism exist and that I would have to explain it all to her someday. I never, ever accounted for this nightmare scenario. I will need to spend every day undoing anything that she might hear or see as a result of this election, and I don't know how to do that. I'm scared. I'm so, so scared. Thanks, Bianca. This is an email from Sharon. Subject, how did the election make me feel? Invisible, except for my private parts. Women's vaginas are the sole territory of men, both physically, politically, and philosophically. We've said sexual assault is okay, and men will get rewarded for it. We've said a woman can't make a mistake, ever, but men can fuck things up all they want. We've said not allowing women to make decisions regarding their own bodies is totally okay, and that poor women should continue to suffer. We've existed another year in this country without an equal rights amendment. From where I'm sitting, things feel pretty dystopian. Thank you so much for that, Sharon. Uh, I'm going to take a break from reading the emails for just a moment because I want to play this clip of uh, of Russell Brand kind of talking about why we're in this crazy situation we're in and uh, how we should look at it. Hello, Russell Brand. This is the truth. Donald Trump's president of America now. I wanted to talk to you. While everyone's sort of still delirious and in shock about it, we've talked about Donald Trump quite a lot on The Truce because he's like a fascinating media operator. He said such outlandish and offensive things, but is a um, antithetical to our times where politicians seem so groomed and slick, even though in some ways he is both groomed and slick, because he has a sort of a earnestness and a rawness. Take even the first moment of his victory speech where he says, oh, sorry I'm late, complicated business. Sorry to keep you waiting, complicated business. He obviously knows that this is taking place in incredible adversity. What I'm fascinated by, though, is the amount of fear and anger that's generated by the victory and how obviously reminiscent it is to Brexit in this country this, for me, Donald Trump's victory and the decision of Britain to leave Europe point to a, a phenomenon that I think is really well outlined in an article by a man called Thomas Frank in The Guardian, where he points to the idea that liberalism as a political system has failing so many people that they have lost interest and lost faith. And my own personal feeling about it is that people no longer trust the people that say, hey, we'll look after you, it's okay, stay in Europe, it'll be all right, vote for Hillary Clinton, it's going to be better, because the people that you're talking to are already living in a kind of post-apocalyptic world, for want of a better phrase. You can't tell people that it'll be terrible if we leave Europe, if the world they live in is already terrible. You can't tell people it'll be terrible to have Donald Trump in power if the world they live in is already terrible. They're not susceptible to that kind of threat. And, like, of course I'm aware of, like, the mad things he said about women and the mad things he said about Muslims and the mad things he said about building walls. And... What I think is fascinating that someone can say that and it makes no difference. People still vote for him. How disenchanted, how disillusioned, how disempowered can you be that this seems like a sensible alternative? My interpretation is the only thing they actually cared about is change. That Hillary Clinton, it, whatever she was offering and whatever she was saying, is a, a political affiliate of Barack Obama who's already in power. Barack Obama, by the way, who now seems sort of like Christ, doesn't he, compared to the people contesting this election. But let's Let's look at the last eight years and the kind of things that were happening. And that's why people were disillusioned, because you see, even when there's someone that seems affable and capable, like Barack Obama in the White House, still terrible unrest, still drone killings, still terrible poverty, still no consequences for the people that uh, exploited huge numbers of ordinary Americans through the financial crash. We can't keep responding to events like this with more fear and anger. It's fear and anger that are creating these conditions. There was this yogi, whose name I really should learn, who said to um, Bertrand Russell, when Bertrand Russell was campaigning for nuclear disarmament, he said to him, like, hold on, what's the point in us getting rid of nuclear weapons if we still have the mindset that created the nuclear weapons? And Bertrand Russell goes, I don't talk about that. Let's just get rid of nuclear weapons. You can't blow up a planet with a mindset. 
But now, 40 years later, 50 years later, we haven't achieved nuclear disarmament. There are more weapons. And the point that that Yogi was making is the fact that Donald Trump is the president of the United States is sort of not what's important. What's important is the conditions have occurred in which Donald Trump becomes. Like, you know, so it's no point reacting to, what, Donald Trump is president of America? Yesterday, the conditions existed for it to happen. So they did two days ago, a month ago, a year ago, and for the last 10, 20 years, they've been building towards this moment. And what it is, and what I've always believed, and what I've said very publicly, is the political system doesn't connect with people. People want change. People want to have genuine power. So if someone comes along and says things like, I'll drain the swamp of Washington of all its corrupt lobbyists and affiliates, that's appealing. What my hope is, is that this victory for this sort of absurd and ludicrous character who has said these outrageous and offensive things, my hope is that we will recognise that we have to provide an alternative. People have to provide an alternative. It's not enough to go, look, here's Hillary Clinton, be grateful, shut up. People have had enough. If the Democrats could put forward Bernie Sanders right now, would they? Of course they would. A person who was talking about socialism, a person who was talking about fairness and justice. So what I've taken from it is that this is a time where we have to, instead of like after Brexit going, those bloody racists Brexited us, we have to go, right, let's reach, try and reach out and understand why people feel like this and be loving and not be presumptuous. And for those of us that are privileged enough not to be in, that that are are not in financial trouble, that aren't feeling the weight and the pressure of the world and looking for someone to blame for that and feeling like that when someone like Donald Trump comes along and in his own easy, accessible, TV-friendly way says it's because of Muslim Mexicans, that when someone like that comes along, it seems appealing and attractive. We have to create a world where Donald Trump isn't necessary. And if we don't create that kind of world, don't be surprised when Donald Trump becomes president. We've just, for the last 20, 30 years, been creating the conditions where this was as we now know, inevitable, because it has happened. Now we have to find alternatives. And I don't think it's going to take place on the superficial administrative level of Washington or Westminster politics. It's going to take place philosophically and deeply. We have to change the way we treat each other, change the way we see ourselves, change the way we talk about the world. Significant change. Because the people that vote for Brexit, the people that vote for Donald Trump, even if people do think that immigration is the issue, then those of us who don't think that's the issue, we've got a duty, haven't we, to communicate in a way that is understandable, accessible, not condescending and not patronising, why we believe that this is the wrong path for the world. You know, and we're talking to people that don't have an awful lot to lose. So if you do feel afraid and disappointed and angry about it, Try not to. Try to feel optimistic because this had to happen. In the end, we had to reach some kind of sort of climax, some sort of crisis, some kind of nadir where it's no longer possible to continue in the way we have been. What I think the election of Donald Trump means is it's no longer possible to pretend that politics is, is all right because look at it. Now look at it. Now you see. As Biggie Smalls would say, if you don't know, now you know. I can't use the next word, not being an African-American man or woman. But, you know, those are the sentiments I feel. If Hillary Clinton had become president, she's a person that did have those affiliations with the banks, that does want to go to war in the Middle East and the Yemen, all these things. You know, stuff I don't know very much about. But what I suspect is we would not have got real change. With Donald Trump... It's no longer possible to ignore that real change is required. That is some true news. Subscribe here if you want to. Thank you, Russell Brand. All right, uh, we're going to get back to the emails. This one is from Megan from Arizona. She writes, Dear Alexi, I'm a feminist who voted for Hillary. This email is to try to find hope in all of the chaos this election has brought to the forefront. In response to your tweet, here are my thoughts on what I've been thinking about. Perhaps we're not as divided a people as we might think. We all came from a place of wanting a radical change from how the system has been. The system's not working, and we all agree on that at a base level. We just reacted to that in very different ways. Hillary supporters wanted to flip the corrupt system by voting for the first woman president. Trump supporters wanted to flip it by voting out of fear and for an outsider or anti-establishment. I'm hoping that it was campaign rhetoric and Trump is more Democrat than he let on. He found his audience early on and knew exactly what to say and do to get their votes. 
He's not even a Republican in the first place. He switched from Democrat to Republican just to run. This is a guy who in 1998 was quoted as saying, if I were to run for president, I'd run as a Republican. They're the dumbest group of voters. I could lie and they'd eat it up. He couldn't possibly be anti-abortion. It just doesn't add up. Of all people who value abortion, I'm sure Trump has needed to pay for one or ten. If it could be Obama again, we would welcome him in a second. Don't let this kill our spirit. Hillary got very close to winning, a woman with a spotty past that nobody wants to talk about now because we're so hurt by her loss. And perhaps it's not all a gender thing. Perhaps it's because people wanted change and didn't feel she was quite the answer either. But remember, she won the popular vote. That's hopeful. I honestly believe that had it been a woman running with even half the controversy in her past that Hillary had, she would have won the vote by a landslide. Obama got in and hardly had a past to speak of. The fact that Hillary got so close could be taken as proof that had she had a less controversial past, her gender was probably not the issue here. I think people are ready for a woman president, just not a woman who also represents the exact same system we all knew is not working. Don't let this divide us. Use this as a hopeful opportunity where everything is being shaken up and rising to the surface so we can become more aware of each other and talk about all the fear and inequality, misogyny, sexual objectification, racism, sexism, judgment, and above all, so we can look at the bigger picture, which is that deep down we all want the same things. We want a democracy that is transparent and that works for all of us. We don't want the old ways and we won't stand for them any longer. We just had very different ways of reacting to the same known problem. Let this be a lesson to us all. We should vote for the candidate that represents our voice and the issues we honestly believe in, rather than voting for the lesser evil. People didn't vote for Bernie in the primaries because they thought, there's no way you could win. But look what happened. Is this an anti-woman thing or an anti-Hillary and her spotty past thing? Did Trump win because people are racist? Seems odd since we had a beloved black president for eight years. People wanted radical change. He's not the right choice and was elected out of fear, but I won't let that kill my spirit. And maybe Hillary wasn't quite the answer either. Well, thank you for that. Um, Megan from Arizona. I have several more emails to read. You guys really delivered. Uh, when I ask for emails on Twitter, uh, I get emails. This is wild. Um, this next one is from Jazz. Jazz wrote, I saw your tweet from Nerdist, so here's my reaction about the election. It's horrible to think about. My reaction seems strangely calm despite how much this is going to affect me and the people I love. I'm a 32-year-old woman who can't work and, I, and can't drive due to mental illness. I live with my parents who are retired. I need a psychiatrist and I'm also on medications for bipolar, anxiety, depression, and PMDD. If it weren't for Obamacare paying for my psychiatrist and medications, I probably would have done something horrible. I don't think I would have killed myself, but I'm capable of hurting myself in other ways. Without Obamacare, I will lose my meds. I will lose my psychiatrist because my medications without insurance are about $900. My psychiatrist is about $100. I would literally drain my parents' 401k and their savings if I continued without insurance. I would literally be forced to go without and try to maintain an illusion that everything is okay. There's also the fact that I worry about my LGBTQ and trans and, pe and people of color friends. Also, I just discovered that my brother voted for Trump. I should be livid or crying. I should be confronting him, but he's my only brother and it's, it's hard. Again, I really don't understand why I'm so calm under such circumstances. Perhaps it's my body's way of coping. I also try not to think about it. I just know that I have a lot to lose and nothing to gain. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for that, Jazz. Oh man, my heart goes out to everybody who wrote in and I I just, uh, oh my goodness, I'm losing my voice. I'm, gonna, I'm reading this final email and then I have a clip to play. Uh, this one is from Logan. Logan writes, Dear Lexi, first off, I love your podcast. Keep it up. I'm writing to you from outside the liberal bubble of the media and entertainment business. I live in the state currently with the worst economy of all 50, recently estimated, and one of the most conservative, Kansas. On paper, the economy is better than it was pre-recession, 
but that's because the media only cares about cities. Drive five miles into the country and all you'll see is boarded up shop fronts and rusting factories. The recovery never made it out of the major city limits. I've been out of work since I graduated college last May, searching for any job, and the same can be said for most of my age, uh, most people my age. I'm smart enough to recognize that an orange blowhard is not the solution, but many around here aren't informed enough to realize this. People here don't like Trump, but they don't like the system which isn't working for them anymore. Four years ago, around my town of 2,500 people, there were dozens of Obama and Romney yard signs and bumper stickers with Romney having a slight edge. This year, I've only seen one. Trump. The media is trying to say it's racism, homophobia, misogyny that drove people to Trump. And while those elements are there, they aren't the reason for only, they're the reason for only a fraction of his supporters. Kansas was founded as a free state and populated with abolitionists. John Brown is considered a founding father. Civil rights victories such as Brown versus Board happened here. Kansas prides itself on being on the right side of civil rights. So how did they vote Trump? Because it was, wasn't a vote for him. It was a vote against the system that let our jobs dry up and forget about us. Trump tapped into the same thing Bernie did. And I think Bernie would have probably beaten Trump. All your listeners in a comfortable liberal place Take solace in the fact that your life will not be changed very much. Watch out for your minority and marginalized friends, but remember, gay marriage isn't going anywhere. There will probably be restrictions on abortion, but it will be there for you. There's a good chance for North Carolina-style Carolina anti-trans laws, so fight that. But be thankful. Your vote counts. I voted in every election I've been legal for, and not one person I voted for has ever won, or won my state's electoral votes. I'm stuck where Trump policy will be embraced and fully implemented until I can get a job, save up enough, and move to Colorado. And this election makes this more and more distant. Hope you're all doing okay. Love, Logan. Thank you so much, Logan. Uh, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to all these emails. And thank you to everybody who sent in the emails. And I don't even know if I'm allowed to do this, but uh, I found I have I saw this clip of Chelsea Handler uh, talking to Senator Barbara Boxer on uh, on her show, and it made me cry. It was so sad, but also hopeful and graceful and lovely. And the conversation between uh, Senator Barbara Boxer and Chelsea was was just really honest, and I wanted to include it on the, in the show. And uh, I'm recording all this at like three thirty in the morning, and uh, I'm losing my voice. But thank you so much. And yeah, I'm gonna go out with this long clip. It's fourteen minutes, but uh, I hope you're driving or on a long walk because I, I want you to hear it. And uh, I will be back next week. And uh, I love you. So the election's over. And obviously the result is not what I was hoping for. So I think today's show is going to be a little different for all of us because like a lot of people in this country, I'm sad, I'm disappointed, and I'm confused. But if Hillary can make it through a, con a concession speech, then I can make it through a stupid television show. So I'm going to. I'm taking her lead. She said we can do it, so I'm going to do it for every woman out there. Um, and luckily, I have someone here also who I admire, who's dedicated a big portion of her life to public service, and who is much smarter than I am, and she can speak to the election and talk to us all about where we go from here. So please welcome my friend, Senator Barbara Boxer. Maybe we should start with, um, let's start with a clip from Hillary's sure. concession speech. I know how disappointed you feel because I feel it too. And so do tens of millions of Americans who invested their hopes and dreams in this effort. This is painful, and it will be for a long time. But I want you to remember this. Our campaign was never about one person or even one election. It was about the country we love and about building an America that's hopeful, inclusive, and big-hearted. I still believe in America, and I always will. And if you do, 
then we must accept this result and then look to the future. So, what are your, what happens? Well, my heart's on the floor. And I think the first thing to do when something like this happens is admit that. And so we have to look at that. And the next thing we have to do is what you just did when you introduced the video. And you said, if Hillary Clinton can stand up and say, this is painful. And you could hear in her throat, holding back the tears. But we need to move forward. And that's it. That's what life is about. That's what we are taught. That it's not, you know, where you are when you're high and doing great. It's when you fall down. And what do we do? A lot of us are on the ground right now. But I have lived a little bit longer than you in the audience here. And I have learned how painful politics can be. But that doesn't mean you run away. It means you pick yourself up, as the president said, and you fight even harder for our country. Because it's ours. It's ours. And yes, you're exactly right. The bottom line here is, as Nancy Pelosi always says, my friend, politics is not for the faint of heart. You're going to be burned. You're going to be. I ran in 1972 or 30-something. And I was so excited and I was doing great. And there was a primary and I won it. And then the general, I thought I'd win it. It was a local office, Chelsea, and uh, I went door to door, knocked on the door. Hi, I'm Barbara Boxer. I'm running for county supervisor. Can I count on you? And a woman opens the door and she says, I could never vote for you. I said, why? She said, first of all, I never thought you'd be so short. Well, what was I going to do about that? And then she said, but the main reason is you have four kids and you're going to neglect them when you go to be a county supervisor, which was a part-time job seven minutes away from my house. And the guy who held the office had two kids and a full-time job. So I said, well, whoever told you I had four kids? I only have two kids. And she said, no, I read it. You have four kids. I said, lady, when you give birth, you never forget. And I only did it twice. (laughs) These are the things I faced. And I lost that election. And there were horrible letters to the editor. And Richard Nixon won in a landslide. And believe me, talk about hard on Chuck, the Chuck, get floor. away, please. Yes. I'm sorry. This is so inappropriate. I, Somebody grab doesn't him. bother no, me. No, I know, but it's really important. We shouldn't have brought him out here today. I don't mind it. It's a nice change from the conversation. Yeah, actually. But, so Richard Nixon won that race. It was dark times. And I'll tell you quickly how I dealt with it. I was just a mess because I thought, Oh, my God, they didn't like me. You know, they voted. Again. What did I do wrong? And and uh, two things picked me up. One, I read an article by Gloria Steinem, and she said, women take it all too personally. We just have to understand maybe we're a little ahead of our time. Don't give up. And secondly, my then seven-year-old son, who is now taking care of me, and he said, Mom, will you make me a peanut butter jelly sandwich for lunch? which signaled to me that life goes on. So what did I do? I became a newspaper reporter and got to report on the guy who beat me, which was great revenge, and I got elected eventually to that office. But remember, Hillary got more votes than Donald Trump. Do you understand what that means? More, yes. And I take such solace in this as I pick myself up off the floor to know that more people said stronger together, that more people said we work better when we embrace each other and help each other, care about each other, than tear each other apart. But the electoral college system is a bad system, was set up so long ago. I wish we could change it. It should be. One, this happened to us twice now. Well, can Al we change Gore- it? How do we change yeah, it? Yeah, you can change it. It's very complex. Tell a, us. All right. You would need a constitutional amendment, and to go through that is so complex. You have to pass it first in each state, and enough states do it. You've got to pass it in the Senate, the House, and you know how hard it is to do that. So that's difficult. The second way is 
a way that one of my, someone I know, a big businessman actually in Silicon Valley tried to get it done, which is to get each state to pass a law that says, regardless of anything else, they will throw all their electoral college votes to the person that gets the most votes nationwide. So in other words, in this case, let's take Utah, where it went for Trump, but if she wins the vote nationwide, they would throw the votes there. My feeling is this is a very, very, very long shot. So we need to pick ourselves up and double down on how we feel about this country. And we love it. And we are not giving it up. And that's as simple as it is. We are tested. We are tested every day, Chelsea, in our private lives. If there's an illness, if there's a divorce, if there's something gone bad, we are tested. This is a huge test for America. And I want to thank you for what you did. The millennials voted overwhelmingly for Hillary Clinton. Thank you, Chelsea, for your work. Overwhelmingly. Almost every state, just a handful of states they did. And that's the future, isn't it? You know, it's the future. I want to thank all the uh, millennial voters who registered through our Rock the Vote thing. We registered something like 7,000 unregistered voters. So thank you guys for doing that and getting out there. Ultimately, last night, I mean, I know you're close with Hillary. You guys were related, right? Or are related. I don't know if relation uh, expires. Um, But do you, uh, have you spoken to her? No, I did not want to speak with her at this point. I intend to actually sit down. I like to write. I have too much to say. And I, I want to think about it. What, um, I know for a woman, as a woman, it's, it feels so sexist. And I think, I guess the message that I want to like spread out to other women is, is exactly what you're saying is not to give up. Sorry, I hate fucking crying on camera, but is not to give up because this is so important. And it's, it's easy to say, throw in the towel on that. We're going to leave or I'm going to move to Spain because I want to move to Spain. I really, really want to move to Spain right now. And everyone in my office is like, you have a responsibility. You have a voice, and you need to use it, and you have to be it. But when you're talking about stuff like the Electoral College, and we're talking about, you know, rules, just the language, I think, that he used in this candidacy, in my mind, should be, um, you know, that should disqualify somebody from being a candidate. If, you, if you're caught lying on camera three times in a row... Um, if you're referring to a woman's genitalia, you know, like those are non-presidential things, unpresidential How things. How about never showing your tax returns? The only one in modern history. It's ridiculous. How about, or paying taxes? How about starting to pay taxes? Good point. Or how about paying the contractors that built your property instead of walking away and leaving them to sue you to get paid? We just can't go back to the darkness. No, I know, I know. I, we I have know, to go right. toward the light. But I, I, to go towards the light, I want to I be hopeful. I have to be hopeful. We all have yes. to be hopeful about yes. what could possibly good yes. could come from it. Let me tell you. When you say, I want to leave, I want to go, of course, it's the flight syndrome. We fought, now we didn't win, so we want to fly away. That's just what the people who gave this hateful message want us to do and we're not going to do it we're not going to do it forget it because because this country with all of its flaws and we know there are many flaws is the most hopeful place because of our constitution because we fight for a more perfect union that's the preamble you need to read it over and over and over again our founders who had a lot of flaws said You know, in order to form a more perfect union, we establish this Constitution. And that means, as Martin Luther King said, that the arc of history is long, but it bends towards justice. But it's long. It just doesn't go, injustice here, now we're at justice. Mm -hmm. It just goes up and down and back and forth. We don't know where we will be in the scan of time of this nation. But we play a role. What I love about what you did is that you connected with people that were hard to connect to. And you made them understand 
that it's their responsibility and they need to take ownership. And once you do that, you can't just walk away. You're in it. You're in it to win it. And it may take time. But remember, when I got, speaking of the women's issue, when I got to the Senate in 92, there were only two women. We went to six. Six out of 100. They called it the year of the woman. We did triple our numbers, but we went from two to six. That was it. Now I think we're going to have 23. 23. Right? Yeah. I, the only reason I won was because Anita Hill. Anita Hill, she put her whole life on the line to tell the truth about Clarence Thomas. And I hope you will read about this story. And as a result, her life has been so difficult. And he sat on the court. And because people saw at the hearings that Anita Hill, where she testified, they saw there were no women on the Judiciary Committee in the Senate. And then they saw only two women in the United States Senate. They said, okay, Barbara Boxer in California, we'll vote for you, even though Diane Feinstein's running for the other seat. We'll just vote for two women, even though it's really hard to do it. And we became the first state in history, California, to elect two women to the United States Senate. So progress happens. Um, in some uplifting news, Kamala Harris won the Senate, uh, the United States Senate seat in California. Yes, that's my seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just talked to her, and I said, you were the bright spot in my life. And a couple of other great women are coming. So she will be the first. She's um, the part. The second African-American yes, woman, Yes, second right? African-American. She's part Indo-American. And then Tammy Duckworth from Illinois is Filipino. And then... Uh, Mastow in Nevada is Latina. So, yeah, we really have a great group, and Maggie Hassan pulled it off in New Hampshire. So we've got a lot of good new women, and that's exciting. Um now leaving Nerdist.com.